Welcome to the ARC360 podcast brought to you in association with corporate partners BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, SNG Response, and Solera Autotex, as well as our partners Gemini Accident Repair Centres, Repairify, and Prasco UK. Please do check out any of these businesses for your automotive claims, repair, or supply chain needs. As much emotional pain as I could be in, and I couldn't jump this bridge, I couldn't even get out of the car. So the people who's jump, how, how bad are they? How, what state they in? And that's how it brought me on to join the Samaritans, because I thought there's people out there a lot worse than I feel today, and they must need as much support as they can. And if you can help one person in the whole time you do it, it's been worth doing. As an industry, as a whole, where do you think we are on addressing mental health awareness? It is getting better, but I think it's still a million miles off. We've still got a lot of people who are from the era who just say, get on with it. As an industry, we need more education about it. We need more people talking about it. And by support, the best thing you can do is listen. Non-judgmentally, just listen to what they've got. Don't judge them what they are. Was one message then that you were kind of going to put out to the broader, wider industry... This is uh, Carl Norton talking to the UK body repair industry and beyond. I would say invest in your people. And investing, it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. It can be, like I say, these courses. It can be anything. But if you invest in your people, your, your people, your greatest asset you've got. You can have all the top machines, but if there's nobody to press the button, it's not going to work. Welcome along, everybody, to this latest edition of the ARC360 podcast, where, as ever, we catch up with some of the leading figures within the automotive repair and claims space. As we've just alluded to in this episode, we speak to Carl Norton, one of Fix Auto UK's regional business managers, and perhaps more relevant to today's conversation, the man behind the network's pioneering mental health first aid programme. Such is the importance in providing help and support in this area to colleagues right across the business. The Fix Auto UK network aims to have at least two qualified mental health first aiders per repair centre. And it's Carl who is turning the idea into a reality. We sat down with Carl shortly after he and the network celebrated successfully having 100 people from all aspects of the business holding the mental health first aider certificates. Enjoy the podcast. So, first and foremost, Carl Norton, thank you very much indeed for joining us, my friend, and uh, I hope all is well in your world. It is. Yeah, really good. Good man. And of course, a huge congratulations, because obviously, recently you've passed the uh, 100 barrier for training colleagues within the uh, Fix Auto UK network um, as mental health first aiders. So uh, it's obviously what we're here to talk about. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, It was one of our first milestones, so plenty more to go, though. Good man, that's what we like to hear. Now, hopefully this won't freak you out a little bit, but I've done a little bit of homework on uh, on yourself, so uh, bear with me. I understand you entered the industry at 10 years old. Now, that's a tender age to be walking into uh, to this industry, but uh, you spent your time in a family business and then went on to, I'll call it the dark side for the purposes of this interview, mechanic uh, uh, within the industry, um, and then came back to the body shop side and spent uh, many years at uh, Nationwide, which will be a name that uh, is very familiar within the industry uh, as general manager, overseeing several sites. And then obviously, dare I say it, that kind of teed you up beautifully to where you are today as uh, regional business manager for Fix Auto, looking after the north of England, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Quite a remit there, I would suggest. Quite, It's quite um, spread out. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, hey, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the day job, but really the crux of today was to talk about the uh, the kind of mental health uh, and first aid training that you're doing, which I think is fantastic. I myself undertook the training, so I'm a, a, a certified, I think that's the right terminology, mental health first aider, uh, which was the tail end of last year. Massively eye-opening experience, I have to say. And I would, you know, I'm a huge advocate of these things, whether it be with yourself, whether it be with others, just understanding more about, um, you know, people's experiences, people's, you know, understanding more about people in essence. So yeah, hugely impressive. As I say, I've been speaking to Fix Auto's PR guy, was one of the latest inductees, and he, I know he's been blown away by the course. So um, tell us a little bit then, which takes us kind of beautifully into that. You know, you've embarked on this mission with Fix Auto UK uh, to ensure that at least two people per repair centre. That's the goal. So tell us a little bit then about how this all came about, I suppose, really, in essence, in relation to Fix Auto UK in the first instance. Yeah, well, a part of, it came about when Fix, when um, I spoke to Ian Pugh and told him that I wanted to become a trainer. And at the time, Mental Health First Aid England, and I don't know if it's still the same, they're only taking on companies. So right. I asked Ian if I could use the company name. I was going to pay for the training and just say, look, I want to do this because it's something I want to do outside work. Ian asked to send all the details over and um, he looked into it and he says, right, we'll pay for it. I want you to do all a fix, he says, because I've been looking at mental health for over a year, and this is now the solution we found. And he did send us all the information he gathered over the year, so he had been really looking at finding something to do, and uh, so this just fell on his lap just at the right time, I think. And and obviously, from a, I suppose, a, you know, your standpoint at that moment in time, tell us a little bit of the, the backstory. Well, how it's probably a bit of a longest story was. I grew up, and obviously, as you know, the industry it can be quite tough. I grew up with working for people who, should we say, didn't care about people. People didn't count. It was all about numbers, and that's all. So when you work for them for so long, you become that person. And I would say, fifteen years ago, I didn't care about anybody as long as me balance sheet was good. Then I went. I was at Nationwide for about five and a half years. Left and went to Bristol Street Motors, which is the Virtue Group. And Robert Robert Forrester, who's a CEO, who I have to thank for getting us on this journey, he put all his managers on the Dale Carnegie training course. And it's he calls it his Bible. He swears by it, and he has a bespoke course. So when I went for the first day, I um I went through all the morning, and this woman stood in the front of the room talking about how people count, how people matter, and I just sat there all morning thinking, oh, the day of my life, I'm not going to get back. Uh, what a waste of time this is." Went sat down for lunch with about 20 other blokes and expecting them all to go, what a waste of time this is. Everybody at that table went, that was fantastic this morning. Brilliant. Bar me. And, oh, and, I, and I call it my life-changing lunch. And I always say this on my course because I went back in after lunch and thought, I'm going to have to sit and listen. I, I need to step back here. There's something wrong. And then I listened, took loads from it. We had another two training courses after that, one, one a month, and it basically set us away to change my life. Stayed there for about two and a half years, went back to Nationwide, and when I did the one-to-ones, when I got back to site, just realised everybody's conversation was about their lives and at home, not about work, not about this, not about that. And I just thought, there's something, I need to look at more on this. So I went down and got on the HR saying, can I do a mental health course? Did a mental health course first, the one where you would have took and the one I teach, not thinking anybody would actually approach knock on my door and say, look, can we have a chat? But within days, if not weeks, there was people knocking on my door saying, I've been self-harming, 
one guy came in saying I've tried to take my life three times in the last two months and this guy I spoke to him every single day never knew didn't have a clue so we went on there I, I managed to get him in a thing called Andy's Man's Club to get him some support to help him help him through that the the person who was self-harming I went to see them every week so I changed my route I was looking after five sites so I changed my route round so I could fit these people in as well as do my day job I just think there was a massive difference when you start listening to people's lives rather than just count them as numbers. And the funny thing on the back of that was when I started doing that, the site started making more money than it's ever made before. Now, that's really interesting. We will come back to that very shortly. But that's the, the fascinating piece to the jigsaw, I suppose, is, yeah, take care of that, people. And, you know, again, it's one of those messages that probably we all hear on a day-to-day basis, but you're... Life-changing lunch? Yeah, yeah, called me life-changing lunch, yeah. That was obviously the moment the penny dropped for yourself. It was. Yeah, and that's really interesting to hear. So, again, we'll come back to that story because that is fascinating and I know there's probably an awful lot more detail that you can, you can give us there. But um, 100 people now trained up with Fix, which, again, hats off to you. Amazing stuff. Who are the courses aimed at? How are they going and, and kind of, you know, what's, what's the general consensus from, from across the network? Well, they aimed at every single person, anybody who wants to do the course, whatever your role is, it doesn't really matter because we all mix with people, we all talk to people, we can all support people. So all from all different levels and the feedback's been phenomenal. They do evaluations at the end of the course and so the feedback was, I mean, one of them said he believes if he took this course earlier, he would have retained the member of staff because he thinks the person now looking at it just needed support. Um, and I've had two site owners actually repeat that. I've had one girl ring saying, we, we, I give them flyers. We fix automate some of their own flyers afterwards so they can put their names on and put them up. One girl put them in the toilets and a guy approached her and had a chat and said he was thinking of taking his own life. And she believes that poster saved his life. Wow. And I always say, if that's the only thing what happens out of all these courses, it's been worth it. It's one of those, isn't it? It's not about the, the numbers, so to speak, but if you can change or, or help one person out, then that's absolutely where you should be. So it's quite an interesting piece there as well. But, you know, again, arguably a lot of people might sit there and think, you know, that this kind of stuff is for leadership managers. But actually we're saying right throughout any, any business, excuse me, um, it's relevant for all. Because you actually may be, and you don't know it, but you may be that kind of pivot point within the organisation that people think, actually, I can talk to that person or trust that person. Yeah. And if you think about it, if, if say, a site, if, if a site owner done the course and then you've got a receptionist, that receptionist may not feel comfortable to go and tell the site owner that they're struggling or something's going on in their life. They may think yeah. the job's in threat. So if you've got somebody who's not higher, higher up the chain or who's there all the time and can see the difference, then give somebody else to approach. So I, I suggest to the sites that everybody does it as many as people, but one male and one female, because some yeah. guys will talk to girls, some will talk to men and vice versa. Um, and it always gives people an opportunity to, to be approached. But it's also about you as a person noticing things as well, noticing changing people, noticing changing habits and not being afraid to ask the questions. Yeah, and hey, what a, what a sort of, you know, a great balance that strikes in terms of, you know, the different sexes taking sort of, you know, leading roles in this. I think that's a great thing. That's a great balance. And that observational piece as well, you know, again, by your own admittance at one point, it was just all about data and numbers and 
yeah. you know, dare I say it, people were just units in the process and if it didn't work, then, you know, you got a new one kind of thing, yeah. you know, and, and I think, um, you know, it's great that these messages that we're talking about today are sort of, you know, coming home and, and landing with a lot of people now. So you obviously take the course. So, what, you know, you yourself, what is your kind of qualification? And, and again, you know, that, that whole piece, is that linked back to sort of Ian picking it up and just saying, Carl, go with it? My experience, I mean, obviously, like everybody, I've got life stories, things what's happened, sad things what's happened, happy things what's happened. So I've got all that experience. I also volunteer with the Samaritans, and that gives you a lot of experience, and, and it goes to show you a lot of mental issues in the world, um, how it's hitting everybody and how everybody's affected. So there's all the experience for that. And it was good for Ian. Like I said, it was, it was, I couldn't have asked any more for Ian. Just seeing go with it, and he wants everybody at Fix Auto Head Office to go through it so they can support each other. But... You get people on the course who get a lot of it from themselves. Prime example, the last course finished with a guy coming up to say, from doing this, I realised me and my wife need help. One lady messages the day after the course saying, this couldn't have come at a better time. I've just had somebody in with a panic, panic attack. Right. So it just, okay. it just falls into place. And everybody on the course, all 100 people's had a story. They may not open up in the first instance but by the time the two days are finished they're telling everybody the stories and it might not be about them it could be about family members or friends but everybody has a story about something and where they think they could have done this or they could have noticed that and stuff like that so it's, it's really worth everybody attending and the, again that's a really interesting piece because i again casting my mind back to when i was on the course the fascinating piece for me was within hours of being in that room people were telling you things that I don't think, you know, you would ever, you might have known them for 10 years, but I don't think in the, yeah. in the typical working day environment you would ever have heard um, from them. And it was just incredible because, you know, again, it, it sort of, you may not have been there yourself, but it resonates and it starts to make you think, ah, what if I was in that position and or I heard that from somebody? Um, but also, you know, it just kind of, you know, your, your own life experiences in, in, in instances where you think, oh, you know, that's, yeah, that does, that does ring bells. So it's really, really interesting. And, and I think, again, hats off to you for sort of creating that environment because I think that is so powerful. And I think that's one of the key things when you attend a course like this is how much you can gain from obviously the tutor, but everyone around you as well. Everyone brings something to, to the meetings. So let's then go back a little bit. And we've already been there slightly, but... Your time in the industry, life experiences kind of, you know, have led you to where you are now and, and hats off to you, as I say, uh, the Samaritans thing that you do again, you know, incredible work. And I'm sure it's opened up your eyes to the world an awful lot, but something's obviously driving you now. And again, is it that kind of life changing lunch moment that you had? That's where it started. But when you're getting things in perspective of what's happened in life things like deaths in the family and i think stuff like that does drive you on as well to think you know i know how i felt when my brother died and people feel like that and i end up joining the samaritans because two weeks after my brother's funeral i was suffering from grief which i didn't know i was at the time and i came across one of the bridges in newcastle and you could see all the flowers where somebody had either recently jumped or i was an anniversary and i just looked at them flowers thought oh i mean there's much emotional pain as i could be in and i couldn't jump this bridge i couldn't even get out of the car so the people who's Jump, how, how bad are they? How, what state they in? And that's how it brought me on to join the Samaritans because I thought there's people out there a lot worse than I feel today and they must need as much support as they can. And that's what knocked us onto that. And then obviously we've had other disasters in the family and stuff like that. So it just it just drives you. 
you know, it just gives you a thing. And if you can help one person in the whole time you do it, it's been worth doing. Again, amazing hats off to you with, with all of that. And, um, you know, again, helping that, that one person, that's the amazing part of all of this, I think. It's just incredible. And, of course, you know, many more, obviously, with, with what you're doing. Um, you know, it's the, uh, it's the sort of, um, you know, amplifier effect, isn't it? You train two people, they then, you know, could affect 10 people's lives and, and on it goes. So, um, so where are we, do you think, as an industry? Obviously, within Fix Auto yourselves, and I know you can't kind of comment on, on other organisations, but... As an industry, as a whole, where do you think we are on addressing mental health awareness? You know, we are, dare I say it, traditionally, historically, a male-dominant environment. It was always a case of, you're having a bad day, zip up the suit, crack on. That's always been a kind of, you know, dare I say, yesteryear's attitude, isn't it? But we're in a different place now. So as an industry, do you think we're kind of, you know, embracing this stuff? I think we are in a different place the majority but i think we've still got a lot of people who were from the era who just say get on with it and i think as an industry we need more education about it we need more people talking about it we want um we don't just want fix to be doing it i mean egan's even said once we we get them through we'll start offering the, the course to our preferred suppliers and and we've already done it with someone a company who's our it support company they've had three people on the course i just think as an industry we need to talk about it more we need to get it out there more um, it is getting better, but I think it's still a million miles off. Yeah, and we've you know we've recently doing a day with uh, Gemini ARC and yeah. Integral, which is on uh, World Mental Health Day on the tenth of October. So yeah, again, you know, all of these things. I think the more people get involved and shout from the rooftops about these things, the less stigma is attached to this subject matter, yeah. and the more progress I think everybody makes. So how does and again, it's kind of relates back to that kind of, you know, dare I say it, that traditional mindset argument. But investing energy, time and money into sending my people on a, a mental health awareness training course. Um, you know, we're not, uh, should I say, awash with any of those three in the first instance. You know, it's not in excess supply. So I've got to choose my priorities. But how does that benefit my business i suppose first and foremost and dare i say you've already kind of suggested from your you know historical experiences how it can benefit businesses and what's the best way to view an investment like this it depends if you're motivated by results or if you're motivated by your people if you're motivated by your people then it's it's a no-brainer they'll just do it anywhere but if your results you've just got to look six days lost in the industry or in the the whole of the UK on um, people who's on the sick because of stress. But it's not just, uh, as I point out to people, it's not just the stress, it's the knock-on effect of stress because then it drops your immune system so you can have IBS, you can have flus, you get, and the sickness is just horrendous. It's something like 72 billion a year lost in, uh, I think it was 2020, were for sickness uh, due to stress and depression. No. so it, it's it's a no-brainer if you if you get that right and you get the and like one of the the way well, two of the owners have said they could have retained the member of staff if you look at the cost of recruiting and what yep. you they would do recruiting and retraining it would be minute to the price of the uh getting a training course and getting you some people on it and within fix ian gives it for free so if you're a fix part of fix you get it for free anyway and and the reality is i suppose this should never really be a an argument as such should it but it, but it's a consideration because there is still that thought you know i'm losing somebody for two days out of work or 
um, you know, whatever it might be to be trained in this. And then, you know, ultimately, what it, what is it going to pay me back? But as you say, I mean, straight away there, um, you know, a couple of superbly valid points that, you know, almost become a bit of a no brainer when it comes to these kind of things. You've just got to look at recruiting costs. You know, yeah, if you lose somebody true. through mental health, you've then got to recruit somebody, the cost of that alone is a few thousand pounds and the tree training and where if you can save somebody and keep them in, in work and they're a good worker. Some people, I've, I've spoken to people in the past where they've lost really good members of staff because they just haven't supported them. And that's interesting. Again, as a, an industry as a whole, you know, you think of somebody in that instance, what are the chances of them remaining in the industry if it's kind of, you know, dare I say it, failed them? You know, it's, uh, it's a really interesting thought as to how sort of, you know, a collaborative approach to this is is so important, um, you know, and it's not just any one person's job to kind of, you know, take on board this and, and solve challenges for the industry. And I'm not saying it's going to solve all whale, but uh, it's certainly a contributing factor, isn't it? Real life stories. And again, you've probably already, you know, given us a, a couple there, but how has examples of this you know made a positive impact that you know of uh, you know there's probably many more that you probably never hear of but you know there's a couple of examples you can sort of share with us anonymously of course yeah i'm just trying to think how i, how I word some of them yeah i've had to give a, a lot of people recently a lot of support and by support the best thing you can do is listen um just non-judgmentally just listen to what they've got don't judge them what they are Work-wise, like I say in the past, I've, I've supported a lot of people with issues in the past. People I didn't expect to come in my door and tell them how bad they were actually feeling, which, which, which was great results because I managed to help, help these people and get them to where, to where they hopefully are now. But you can't save everybody. Um, that's what I tell everybody. So look, you try your best, but some people just can't be helped. It's beyond us. We're not there to cure people you don't become a therapist by doing this course you just get them in the right health same as if you broke your arm i'll get you in hospital it's no different to that it's just right trying to understand what they need and get them down the right path but what is coming be common is the amount of waiting lists for counselors now when you speak to people who's on these courses and a lot of them's been waiting i know a, a friend at the minute's trying to get counseling they've told them 18 months to get support wow. well if you're in a bad place 18 months is a long long time Really, really yeah. So if we can be out there just listening for these people and let them have the the seer and try and support them best we can, while they're trying to get support off the NHS and stuff like that, and then the better it is. And like I keep telling everybody on the courses, it's not just about work; it's about your friends, your family, and stuff. This this is a skill for life if you keep it going. Yeah, and it's very much a. It's almost a proactive approach. Is that sort of fair to say? It, it, you know, sort of highlighting that you are there for for people to, to you know i preventative type stuff it is and the good thing about it is if you if you practice it and, the, and i keep saying everybody becomes second nature you notice difference in people you you'll, you'll go into work one day and you'll just something will ring a bell saying something not right there i'll go and ask if you're all right and i always tell them to ask twice because as blokes we always go yeah fine and yeah say, are you really fine yeah hang on a minute they're actually showing a real interest now yeah, and it does, it does come out a bit better, and uh, that's the best thing to do. And like I say, the strong part of it is you notice a difference as well as people coming to you. So is there, and again, obviously you're, caught, you're, you're a two-day course, so you know, we're not going to cover off everything in this, but one thing you just mentioned there, listen, you've probably mentioned two actually, if you're going to check somebody's all right, double-check they're okay kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
is there, is there a third piece you'd kind of add to that? You know, again, is it almost a, you know, you're not there to solve people's problems. You're not there to be a therapist. You're there to listen and get them the professional help they may need. Same as what they are. But give people time is another thing I tell people. If you're going to have a chat with somebody, make sure there's no clocks or watches in the room. Because the last thing you want to be doing is looking at your clock or looking at your watch thinking, oh, I've got, to, I've, got, I've got these reports I've got to get done and stuff. I would rather have a, a backlog of work and, and help somebody than I would just try and rush somebody through. And because they'll fail it, if, if you're trying to rush it and they know you're in a hurry, they will clam up and they'll fail. And that's really interesting. Hey, you know, again, take that example of walking into any meeting with any individual or any subject. Um, you, you pick up on these things as soon as somebody looks at a watch or a clock, you think, right, my time here is done. And one of the other things I was listening to, and, and it's great when we practice it in the um, training, is be all right with silence. We get a silence, we try to fill it all the time. You get more answers if you just let the silence. And I love doing that. I just like, like when we do practice and I show people and it's a silence and you can see them and then all of a sudden they'll just start telling you the story because the, the, no, the, the first answer is just what they think they should say. But if you just leave it silent for a bit, they'll come out and tell you what, how they're really feeling and it works. You've just given away a journalist's trade secret as well. <laughs> but, but you're absolutely right, yeah. It's, it's always so true, yeah. Give people time to talk and they will. Um, so, yeah, really interesting stuff. Oh, really interesting, fascinating, fascinating stuff. So... If there was one message then that you were kind of going to put out to the broader, wider industry, this is uh, Carl Norton talking to the UK body repair industry and beyond. You know, what would that be at the moment? What would you kind of ask of the industry and or highlight to the sector? Without stealing another phrase, mental health matters. Um, We've got, I would say, Invest in your people. And investing, it doesn't have to be money. It can be time. It can be, like I say, these courses. It can be anything. But if you invest in your people, your, your people are your greatest asset you've got. You can have all the top machines, but if there's nobody to press the button, it's not going to work. And that's a very, very interesting topic of conversation at the moment. There's a lot of focus on technology and a lot of focus on people, lack of people in the industry, but almost kind of, you know, turn that full circle and actually is there a focus on people in the industry at the moment um really interesting really interesting and a great end to the conversation there so what we do now is um it's obviously been a kind of you know a very emotive subject we've been talking about but we'll uh take things up a notch now and uh, we'll find out a little bit more about you personally and actually these are the questions people most often uh, hate answering actually so uh, what one thing might not many people know about you who oh, might not know about me well if they've been on my course they know everything about me so <laughs> yeah. so we'll have to we'll have to not include them um i would say probably people, a lot of people don't know i do wood turning as a hobby Oh, okay. That's interesting. See, I love these little, uh, these are the gems these are. So there's a conversation starter for next time for anyone who uh, encounters Carl Norton. Then uh, yeah. ask him about his wood turning. Okay. Is this just a little uh, a little hobby kind of in the shed? Yeah, yeah I just do it as a hobby. Yeah, I just do it as a hobby and make stuff. And uh, one, of, one of my claims to fame is I made a full-sized cowboy hat out of one piece of wood with the, with the bends and everything. Yeah. Right, we look forward to seeing that at the uh, one of the next industry events. Um, here we go, then. This may well lead on to the next one, then. What would your alter ego be doing as a career right now? Oh, I'll have to pick two things for that, because as a career, 
if I knew what I knew now, it would definitely be mental health. It has to be. Um, it's such a passion of mine, and I talk about it a lot. If I didn't know about mental health and that, I would say I'd be a joiner or, or a carpenter, something like that, something to work with wood. Okay, that's cool, that's cool. Um, best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen or received? Now, does this go back to the... Uh... Well, it's got to be um, my life-changing lunch, I would say. that It had to be the best. And it did, it did start as on a life-changing event, so I've got to say that's probably the best. And here we go. Let's let's link this all back to the industry then. Uh, what are you currently driving? What would you like to drive? I currently drive an Audi A5. And what would I like to drive if I've got a choice of anything? Yeah, money is no object. It's 1960s Mark II Jaguar. I don't like modern cars. I don't like modern, I like I like old cars. Okay, so he's got he's in his Jag. He's got his wooden cowboy hat on. I'm creating the vision now for everyone. Okay, and there you go. There you have it. Wonderful stuff. Hey, Carl, thank you so much for your time today, my friend. And honestly, I wish you every success with uh, with what you're doing at the moment. It really is, and I'm sure everyone listening would agree, uh, some fantastic work. And, uh, and, and thanks, uh, thanks to you, Mark, for help spreading the word for mental health. Like I say, the more people who talk about it, the better it is for everybody. Absolute pleasure, my friend, and we'll uh, catch up with you soon. Okay, take care. So there we have it. A huge thank you to Carl for taking the time to talk to us. It's truly eye-opening and inspiring to listen to others' work experiences and acknowledge how they've used those for, as a force for good. I take my hat off to Carl for his energy and enthusiasm in positively impacting people's lives. Thanks to Carl once again for his time. Many thanks to you all for listening. You've been listening to the ARC360 podcast, brought to you in association with corporate partners BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Solera Audatex, as well as our partners Gemini Accident Repair Centres, Repairify and Prasco UK. Look forward to catching up with you all soon. Take care.